It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Irish Times Business Podcast in association with Irish Life. Supporting companies and their employees for 75 years. We know Irish life. We are Irish life. Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock, a podcast from the Irish Times. In this week's episode, I interviewed Siobhan Talbot, Group Managing Director of Glombia and winner of the inaugural Irish Times Business Person of the Year Award in association with KPMG. We talked about Glombia's transition from dairy to high-tech proteins and weight management products, Brexit, gender diversity and how her successful battle with cancer changed her outlook on life. Have a listen. Now, Siobhan Talbot was appointed Group Managing Director of Glambia in November 2013. Glambia has its origins in the Irish cooperative movement that evolved over the past century. The listed PLC was formed in 1997 out of the merger of Abermore Foods and Waterford Foods. Once just a dairy company, Glambia is now focused on high-end ingredients and nutrition and protein products. The company's share price has risen by about 19% in the past 12 months and it was one of the few Irish stocks to rise last year. Glambia is currently valued at 48 billion euros. Siobhan was previously Group Finance Director of Columbia, a role that encompassed responsibility for strategic planning. She's been a member of the board since 2009 and has held a number of senior positions since joining the company in 1992. She's also a Director of Employers Group IBEC and she's invariably described as the most senior woman in Irish business. A graduate of UCD, Siobhan is a chartered accountant and worked with PwC in Dublin and Sydney prior to joining Glambia. And last May, uh, Siobhan was chosen as by an independent panel of judges as the inaugural winner of the Irish Times Business Person of the Year in association with KPMG. She had earlier won the inaugural monthly business award for securing the disposal of 60% of its dairy operation and the subsequent creation of a joint venture called Glombia Ireland with the company's farmers. Uh, Siobhan, welcome to Inside Business. Um, that's a long uh, career CV. Um, I just wonder about being uh, called the, the most senior woman in Irish business. Uh, how do you feel about that moniker? Well, good morning and, and thank you for the opportunity to chat. Uh, I don't think of it in truth. Mm. I see myself as having had the very fortunate position to be part of a team leading an incredibly exciting global organisation. Yes, I am female. Yes, I am CEO of Glanbia. Very proud to be that. Mm. Beyond that, quite honestly, I don't think about it. All right, OK. We might come back to the whole gender diversity issue a little later on. But let's talk about Glanbia. I know you're, I think you're in a close period at the minute, so you can't go into minutiae, but just tell us in overall terms how 2018 was for the company. Yes, we were pleased in November to reiterate our growth ambitions for the 2018 year. Uh, And 2018 was very much a year of continuing our strategic journey, as you rightly said at the outset. Now we are a combination of 
a lot of different parts, but fundamentally focused on nutrition. We really have operations that span the entirety of the supply chain from relationships primarily through joint ventures with milk suppliers here in Ireland and in the US. And from that, we have grown now to a global organisation focused on high quality ingredients and high quality branded consumer products. And all of those have performed through the current year. We've been very ambitious for our growth. We've had a period of strong growth for the last number of years. We set out our growth ambition for 18 between five and 8% and we reiterated that in November. We will grow across our performance nutrition brands, we will grow across our ingredients business and we continue to grow across our joint ventures. Yeah, tell us about uh, the protein business uh, if you like. Um, what's it all about? I mean, Glombia was transformed I suppose when you found some uses for whey which is a byproduct, uh, I, I think of, of milk and cheese. Uh, and you've you've found some innovations uh, in that space. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yes, it's been a really exciting journey. And for an industry that sometimes might not be seen through that lens, at the very essence of what Glanbia is today is exactly, as you say, an innovative approach to milk. Milk is a fantastic, relatively lightly processed, nutritious product. And you rightly say, too, that as a large scale operator in cheese, particularly in the US, we started to develop applications for what was a byproduct and indeed a problem product back in the day that was land spread or indeed fed to animals. But the scientists in Glanbia recognised that it had really high quality proteins within that product. And so we started to develop applications that could harness that into a convenient format powders. And so we started really probably in the middle 2000s, the core of our nutrition journey started where we were developing applications for that high protein whey powder product. And sports nutrition was a natural application for that, because as we all get older, as a natural aging process, or indeed, if you're a relatively serious athlete, Building and repairing muscle is a key component of your performance goal. And so having a highly concentrated protein product in a convenient format, such as a powder, started to build out that market. So we'd been playing in that market for quite a number of years as an ingredient supplier. And then in 2008, we purchased Optimum Nutrition, a brand that had been around for quite a number of years already at that point in time. Very, very strong in terms of authenticity, quality, resonating with sports users. And we have built that portfolio since that. We now have a suite of nine brands playing with consumers across the broader spectrum from those serious athletes looking for our protein products to help them on their performance goals, right through to lifestyle consumers who recognise that relative to some other consumption alternatives, protein is fundamentally good for you and actually it can be very much part of a healthy diet. And last year, you had a big acquisition. You announced in October uh, a $350 million deal to acquire the SlimFast brand in the US. SlimFast, one of the leading weight loss brands in what is, a, I think it's an $8 billion plus uh, US market does that sort of fit into this uh, category as a complementary? Yes, very complementary. We had been interested in the weight management category for a period of time because coming back to that core consumer that increasingly spans the serious sport athlete right through to the lifestyle consumer, 
slim fast very much fitting into that lifestyle consumer category as well. And we have a number of brands already playing in that space. We had a great brand based in the US called Think Thin. We have actually a protein, plant protein based brand called Amazing Grass in California. And then the weight management category was really complementary to that because it is about health and wellness. It is about supporting people, whether it is about performance goals, whether it is about general health or indeed weight management. Slim Fast, a fantastic brand around a long time. We're really excited to bring it into the portfolio. Is it also not preying on people's concerns about being overweight and, uh, you know, suggesting that by using Slim Fast or some of your other products uh, that basically you're going to lose weight and you're going to get in shape uh, and whatever. And really, these are only temporary fixes. I think all medical professionals will always say that the only way to have a consistent weight is to exercise and eat healthily, eat a balanced diet and so forth. And these kind of weight management products, whether it's Slim Fast or something else, I mean, it's a hugely competitive space. They really don't work in the long term. Well, I would see they very much appeal to what the consumer is looking for at that point in time. We are very clear to your point. And indeed, we put a lot of effort on what we call, for example, sports nutrition school. And we say food first. So we're very clear on the role that our products play within a healthy diet. Absolutely, as you suggest, we would be the first people to promote an active lifestyle, exercise, Mm. health, a general recognition that What we consume is an important part of our overall health. But products like Slim Fast appealing to a consumer that wants to lose weight, maybe for a period of time or maybe wants to consume it, maybe not part of the formal plan, but as a general approach to health and indeed recognising exercise playing a role of that. Very complementary to that overall space of health and wellness. But even the brand name, it's a bit misleading, isn't it? I mean, take this product and you'll get Slim Fast. It does exactly what it says on the tin. Take this product and it will help you lose weight. Really? Right. OK. How long How long does it uh, take to work? There's a, there's a programme that you can participate in and it really depends, of, like all these things, it depends on the quantum of weight that you want to lose. But there's probably, there's a whole series of clinical trials that would stand behind if you are part of this programme, which effectively is about replacing one meal with a number of slim fast products and then eating a meal as well. So it is a balanced approach that is actually recognising the role of food and the role of meal replacement. Um, And very much, as I say, appealing to consumers that want to manage and improve their weight. Is Glombi a bit of a contradiction then in, in some respects? Because you have products like Slim Fast, okay, helping people manage their weight, let's say. But if you take something like cheese, uh, great product. Uh, I love your cheeses. But, you know, a lot of doctors uh, tell you to stay off the cheese. If you have cholesterol problems, uh, it's seen as a fatty product. Uh, you know, again, in a lot of sort of diet plans, uh, cheese is a, no- is a no-no. So on the one hand, you're giving people <laughs> you're giving people cheese, uh, which, you know, potentially mightn't be good for you, uh, depending on the quantity you eat. And on the other hand, you have these uh, weight management products like Slim Fast, which are designed to help you lose weight, essentially. I would say it's a very complementary portfolio rather than a conflicting portfolio. We have a whole suite of products. Fundamentally, products like dairy products are actually very good for you. But of course, in any diet, it's about having a balanced diet. It is about supplementing that diet with a good exercise regime and living optimally in a health and wellness way. We have great products that will, for different usage occasions, appeal to different consumers. We have dairy and we have non-dairy as well. And ultimately, consumers will decide, and our job of work is to have a whole suite of very high quality ingredients that meet our customers and consumer needs across a whole suite 
of usage occasions across a whole suite of consumer needs. That's what we're about. Yeah, sure. And of course, milk is a wholesome product if uh, taken in the right quantities. Um, are you on this uh, path towards, uh, you know, sort of, um, how would I put it, uh, they're, they're alternative uh, dairy products, milk products, uh, perhaps not even uh, including dairy uh, as such, you know, vegan products and nut milk and all that kind of yes. stuff. Are you on that path? Are you yes, following we, that trend? Yeah, we very much don't see the Glanbia PLC organisation as just a dairy organisation. Mm-hmm. If you take a large component part of our Glanbia Nutritionals, for example, the ingredient side of the organisation, 60% of that business is actually non-dairy. We're a global leader in supplying bespoke vitamin and mineral blends for our customers that can be used in infant nutrition, clinical nutrition, the whole spectrum of food. Within our branded performance nutrition portfolio, as I mentioned, we relatively recently purchased a great brand called Amazing Grass which is entirely non-dairy. We have non-dairy offerings within our optimum nutrition portfolio. So absolutely, again, coming back to a consumer that will span both people who consume dairy all the time, vegans, vegetarians, and of course, the flexitarians who will consume sometimes dairy, sometimes non-dairy. We see having that portfolio, again, as very complementary, fulfilling as many of those consumer needs as we can. Right. What category do you fall into? How many of your products do you consume every day? I, I'm a believer in gold standard and I'm actually a big believer of amazing grass. So I'm taking my greens every morning in powder format. It's a great product. Right. Okay. Um, and cheese? Uh... Oh, yeah. Well, it goes without saying I'm a loyal Avonmore fan. My fridge is full of Kilmeaton and Avonmore liquid milk as well. Absolutely. Okay. Um, now, let's talk about Brexit. It's been a big uh, week, another big week on the Brexit front with uh, the vote in the UK. Uh, Theresa May losing that uh, crushing defeat for her in terms of the withdrawal agreement she had negotiated with the European Union, but she survived this no-confidence vote. So, We're no clearer as to precisely what kind of uh, arrangement Britain is going to exit the EU. We could be well heading for a no-deal scenario. What implication has Brexit for your business? Like any business, we are not immune to it. Um, Our PLC organisation, in terms of our revenue, it's relatively modest. A lot of our exposure is within our joint ventures, such as Glanbia Ireland, where we're the biggest dairy processor here in Ireland, as you know, and Glanbia Cheese, where together with our US partners, we're the biggest makers of mozzarella cheese in Europe. So we are by no means immune to it and very conscious of it. And as you rightly say, now it looks like a choice between an orderly exit or indeed a no deal. And like any corporate, I have to say, an orderly exit would be Mm. by far the preference. Because, yes, we have a a team that we have put in place to plan for indeed a no deal at this point. But that's a very difficult thing to plan for because there are just so many variables. We have built up over many years, decades in some instances, supply chains, customer relationships, all of those pieces that you have as a global organisation So we are very much planning at this point for a no deal. We have all the supply chain alternatives, all those pieces that one would expect. But that does not mean that that would be easy. And it does not mean that that wouldn't be without its implications. So like any organisation, we're watching it, engaging with our customers, trying to have as many alternatives on things like the supply chain as we can possibly have. But I would have to say again that an orderly transition if Britain is to leave the EU is by far the best for corporates. 
dairy products, cheese, etc. Can you stockpile those in any great quantities yeah, in the UK? You can. You can plan for that. I mean, the UK is a big market, as you know, for cheese. Over 50% of the cheese produced they in like Ireland finds a home in the UK. It's a great market for us. Of course, the UK itself is an exporter too, so you'd be watching how that balance. So we can, as much because it is a long-life product for products like that, it isn't an issue for our liquid milk business and all of our loyal Avonmore fans will be delighted, I'm sure, to hear that because that's all coming from here in Ireland. But for products like cheese, absolutely, or powders, we can make, and we have been for some time now making plans to have that supply chain as seamless as possible. Okay, so are you stockpiling at the minute? We have plant, we have stocks in the UK, more than we would normally have. Okay, and have you had to take extra warehousing capacity? Yes, yes, yes. And we have some alternative, for example, we have a plant in Middlesbrough for our performance nutrition business. So we have some contract manufacturer arrangements in place. Um, again, trying to plan for the worst, but hoping for the best. Okay, and obviously a lot of trucks uh, going backwards and forwards carrying your goods. Yes. And it's, it's difficult to know how that's going to pan out. There could be long queues. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, we operate across about 130 countries. So the reality is that if we could just get certainty, we would be confident that we can absolutely handle whatever regulations, whatever forms, whatever documentation, because that is what we do. We do that as a matter of course, operating across that number of jurisdictions. And our Glanbia Ireland business, that of course is the specific one that's most referenceable around things like cheese, itself exports to over 80 countries already. So it's not that we don't have the capability. We have a lot of capability, but your point is absolutely valid. What you can never totally plan for are things like road delays, truck delays, availability even of transport. So you can plan and put stocks in the locations that you think is the most relevant to your customers and consumers. Um, and that's as much as one can do. And as I say, still hope that... Uh, is, is there any danger from your point of view that some of your goods might end up going off in the back of a truck? Not not in the short term. I think it is more about the issues around the totality of the supply chain. Uh, and of course, indeed, if there is a, an orderly transition, you then have to handle the product you've already put into that market. We don't see that as a big issue. Um, I think it is really a longer term piece around getting certainty on what would be in a in a transition, post-transition scenario, what would the tariff arrangements be like? The other piece, of course, that is worthy of mention is that we have for some time been developing alternative markets. Um, as you probably know, we were really excited last year to announce the building of a mozzarella cheese facility here in Ireland. That will be about €130 million Euro spend with our European partners. Part of that was a Brexit potential solution because our Irish business will supply essentially ingredients into that. So that's been very much part of our agenda as well, satisfying the customers that we have working on the supply chains, but also over the last period of time, developing alternative markets. Okay. How many people have you got in the UK and what percentage of your revenues will be exposed to the yeah, UK? Yeah, our revenue from a PLC perspective would be just about 3%. So it's quite modest. And in terms of a total employee grouping of over 6,600, relatively small in the UK. All right. Okay. Um, all right. Let's talk about uh, diversity and, and gender diversity. I mentioned uh, earlier how you're considered or you're often uh, referenced as the most senior uh, woman in Irish business. Um, and that's from the fact that there are so few women. Uh, I think you were the second woman uh, to lead a listed company in Ireland. Anne Herity was the first. 
There have been, uh, you know, there have been a few others. Obviously, Francesca McDonough is, uh, is leading Bank of Ireland uh, now. And of course, we've had a couple of women presidents and, and all of that. But nonetheless, um, you're a very senior uh, woman in, in, in the business community in Ireland. And there is a huge focus globally and in Ireland on gender diversity and getting more women into senior leadership positions. How do you think Columbia fares on that scale? Well, the first comment I would make is that there is absolutely no doubt that promoting diversity is a good thing, not just around gender, but around passport, around background, around anything that really just gives different voices. It's a journey for us in Glanby, I think it's fair to say. I mean, traditionally, it's fair to say that the dairy industry has been pretty male dominated. That's not to say that we don't encourage, of course, participation. We are very much a meritocracy. And our job of work in Glanby is to ensure that we are bringing the best talent into the organisation, giving that talent irregardless of gender or background, the very best career opportunity. And I think it will be a journey for us, Kiran, that will continue to evolve. If I look at our graduate intake, for example, 40% of our graduate intake now would be female. Um, we are very supportive of anything that we can do to support people in the lifestyle choices they might make, again, irregardless of their gender. And I would hope that that will is a journey that we will see more progression on as we go through the next number of years. And yet, if somebody were to look at your website and look at the, let's say, the, the upper echelons of the company, um, there's one woman out of 17 executive executives and directors. Um, you're the only woman among five executive directors. Your chairman and two vice chairmen are all men. The four non-executive directors, all men. And five non-executive directors nominated by the society, all men. I mean, that's pretty shocking. Even in this, you know, even in a, a male, traditionally male dominated uh, organisation, you know, this sort of path to gender diversity began years ago. For sure, for and sure. <clears throat> while obviously Glambia deserves credit for uh, giving you the top job. I mean, one woman out of 17 executives and directors, that's pretty poor. There is more that we can do in this space for sure. We have a very specific structure in our organisation. Uh, a lot of our directors, as you know, are nominated by Glanby Cooperative. That is a pretty male-dominated arena in terms of the representation structure. And that's a historical thing. And hopefully, indeed, that will change over time. So I would hope that, and I know that within the organisation, the board are very, very conscious of that. And I would hope that that is a journey we will absolutely see evolve over the coming years. So when will, when will another woman be appointed um, to the board? Because the government is talking about quotas and, you know, the EU is looking at this as well. So you may not have a choice. I think ultimately it for us, again, I come back to the point, we are a meritocracy. We're absolutely very conscious of the diversity and where we stand on that at this point in time. And suffice to say that it is something that the board and nominations committee in particular are very, very conscious of. And I'm sure we'll be looking at that at the appropriate time. Uh, but you're not, a, you're not a fan of gender quotas? I am not. I recognise that there are times when you do have to use a blunt instrument sometimes. Um, and I recognise, too, that sometimes the pace of evolution, even in our own organisation, might not be as quick as we would like. And we're conscious of that as an executive team and keeping that very much live in our thinking at this point in time. But I do come back to that fundamental point, particularly in a business organisation like Glanbia. We are a meritocracy. It is really important, I think, that the totality of the community of the 6,600 great people that we have, that everybody feels that they have 
based on merit and absolute opportunity to progress in our organisation. What we need to do and I think are getting better at is making sure that again, whether it's male or female, we are acknowledging maybe the work-life balance pieces that people want, the things that might stand in their way. We will be engaging with our females in the organisation, I believe, over the next while in a more proactive way to understand maybe more. What are the blockages? Uh, given that we believe we have a great career development programmes, we've put a lot of work into things like that as we look forward. We are a values-led organisation. We're very purpose and values-led. I think we will be putting mm. more focus into listening and maybe then hopefully removing some of those blockages that encourage the women to come through the ranks. One woman out of 17 executive directors, is it time for a bit of a blunt instrument right now? We'll see. Right, OK. Um, just on this whole topic, I mean, from your experience, do women have to work harder to get to the top? I'm not sure that they have to work harder. Um, again, I think this is very much going to be an evolving story. I think if you look back, you know, I qualified in the 80s. Um, I remember actually at that point in time, it was actually 50-50 when I was going into one of the big practices here and that was seen as an amazing thing. I, I think that balance is shifting. Now, people just don't think of it. You know, when we're looking at candidates for our key roles, we're looking at who has the best experience set, who can do this job. Um, and that's as it should be in terms of looking to have the best talent for the organisation. Um so I think when there were less pe women in the workforce, it was probably naturally, whether it was real or imagined, people probably felt they had to work that bit harder. Um, the reality is, too, there are lifestyle changes in everybody's life. Uh, so I think, again, it comes back to that fundamental piece that the role of organisations like Lambia is to make it as easy as possible so that people don't feel they have to choose. People validly say at times, you know, it's hard to do it all, to have, you know, I'm married, I have a family, I have two kids, um, and you're balancing like anybody permanently, mm. that work-life balance. But, you know, whether you're male or female, you're doing that. And maybe there is an increasing recognition now as the years go on that, in fact, actually, that is a question irregardless of your male or female, where maybe historically it was felt to be more of a female-based uh, question. So for us, it is about, as, a, as I say, eliminating as many of those barriers so that when we bring in great females who have a great potential for career development, there isn't anything within our organisation that is standing in their way of achieving their ultimate sure. career goal. How did you juggle? Because you've two grown-up children now. Yeah. Your husband uh, was a guard. He's retired yes. as a guard. Uh, yes. Now. So, I mean, his hours were probably a bit peculiar and, and so forth. So how did you manage to juggle your career with all of that? Yeah, it wasn't easy at times. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Um, it takes a support infrastructure. Billy was always really supportive and I was really fortunate to enjoy what I did. So that's probably what I would say, one of the big things I would say to young folk joining our organisation or indeed young folk in college thinking about what they want to do. If you really love what you do, you will probably move mountains sometimes to actually give yourself the opportunity to continue it. And I was really fortunate in that. Um, my family lived close by too. That probably helped. Sometimes my mum over the years would get the call late in the evening, you know, the kids are there, any chance that you can help us out. That definitely helps. Uh, it's not always easy, but you know, 
if people choose um, in whatever relationship format that they have and whatever works for them, it's about giving people choices. I think it would be terribly arrogant of any organisation or indeed sometimes I feel even as an individual to tell a young guy or a young girl you should do this or you should do that. It's about giving them the choices and the opportunities so they make the choices that are right for them. Now, you mentioned your mum. Your dad was a dairy farmer, wasn't he? Yes. Kilkenny, and your, yes. your mum a teacher. And yes. you considered becoming a teacher as well, didn't you? I which, did. Which I would did. have been very uh, very much easier for you in terms of juggling family life. <laughs> I did. I did indeed. Um, in my early years, actually, I did the BCom in UCD. And I remember at the time, yeah, mum was a natural, national teacher all her life. And my dad died quite young, sadly. Um but yes, I did consider that. But then I decided that accountancy was the route for me. So Right. Why accountancy? I always liked the numbers. Um, I always liked finance. Even as a, as a young girl, my mum would tell me I always liked the numbers and, and all of the things that you do when you're young. So, yeah, it always interested me because I think that a qualification like that actually gives you a lot of different areas into which you can go, you know, at the very root of whether you're a marketeer or whether you're an operations person, whether you're an entrepreneur, I guess it does come back to the numbers in terms of having a sustainable business that can deliver growth for the long term. A lot of it ultimately comes back to the basics of minding things like the cash flow. So that always appealed to me, the total piece around where um, a career like that could take you in the broadest sense. Um, and I'm obviously delighted I did it. Yeah, sure. But do you think subconsciously you've ended up uh, at Glambia, which is, you know, it came out of roots in dairy. It's a broader food company now. But you grew up in Kilkenny, very much a, a dairy, a, you know, an ag county and uh, the home to Glambia now. Do you think subconsciously uh, that was sort of part of your career plan anyway? You know, possibly, I think. I have to say I am, as you say, Kilkenny born and bred. Um, very... I remember going with my farmer with my father to the creamery before he died, God rest him. Um, And so I have a very high level of passion and commitment to what we do here in Ireland. And I think that probably has given me both a love of the industry, but probably a grounding too of the hard work that is at the very root of what a global like organisation like Glanbia is. We today have about 4,800 milk supplying families that sit behind Glanbia here in Ireland. We're very cognizant and we look at those through the lens of small, medium-sized enterprises. Uh, And I think having that knowledge of, you know, what work it takes, what commitment it takes at farm level just made it a really interesting place and huge privilege, obviously, to ultimately run the Glanby organisation. So, yes, there's no doubt, I think, that living in the community in Kilkenny, you know, understanding maybe sometimes the challenges. And now what's fantastic, Kieran, is that I see in the post-quota environment, the enthusiasm, the new generation that's coming into Daring in Ireland, the opportunity that sits for the current generation of farmers, maybe versus the generation of my father's time, which is fantastic to be part of. And that does, within Glanbia, give the the team a great sense of responsibility, but a great sense of pride and groundedness in in what we have here as a great competitive advantage in Ireland. Yeah, sure. It has changed. There's no doubt it's much more professional, I guess, in many ways now. Only 29% of us know how much we need to live on in retirement. Irish Life is changing that with Empower, a new approach to company pensions that helps change the way your employees think about their future. For more, go to irishlifeempower.ie or talk to your pension consultant. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. 
Irish Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. All information sourced for Irish Life June 2015. Now, you've had a lot of battles in the boardroom, uh, but you've also had some uh, personal battles as well on the health front and you had cancer in 2010. You've spoken about this before. Was that your biggest challenge? Yes, it was a challenge, undoubtedly. Um, I was prob- I was one of the fortunate ones in that I have to say through the great um, medical resources we have here in Ireland. I was found early and as we know that can make a massive difference. So my prognosis was pretty good from the outset. Uh, I did go through the routine of chemotherapy and radiotherapy and all of that. Um, I kept working through it which I found fantastic and again you know my predecessor John Maloney, indeed my colleagues at the time I will always thank because they were hugely supportive of me doing that as indeed needless to say Billy, uh, Thomas and Alison and my wife family as well. Uh, It is a journey, you know, it's not always an easy journey, but I think the fact that, again, you know, and they sometimes get some bad press, I could only, from personal experience, absolutely laud the oncology services here in Ireland. They were just superb, not only in terms of that core treatment, but in terms of the wider piece of all of the pieces that you're going through when you go through something like that. So I'm really pleased to be at the other end of it at this point in time. Yeah, sure. You strike me as a very positive person. I'm just wondering how getting a cancer diagnosis changes your outlook on life. It does. And it's a great question and some a question that people have sometimes asked me. It does change your outlook. Uh, and sometimes I have said it, probably the simplest articulation I would do of that is that it actually teaches you not to sweat the small things. You know, we all go through our lives and we might be worrying about something or it might be Brexit or it might be an operational piece or something's happening in your family. But you know what? There are bigger things at play. And if you have your health and you're coming back to our earlier conversation, I mean, that's why I am so proud with the team to be leading an organisation that is absolutely focused on nutrition. Because in truth, what better place could you work than an organisation that delivers quality products that is about human health and human nutrition. Um, so, yes, it does alter your perspective. I think it gives you a sense of, wow, you know, some morning you can wake up and somebody kind of pulls you to one side and say, hold on here a minute, I have something else that's going to happen. I think it makes you resilient. Um, and I think it gives you a sense of what's important in life and what you shouldn't worry about. How would you describe your leadership style? You should probably ask my colleagues, but I would hope that they would say that it's inclusive. I am probably seen as firm, I think, at times, but fair. Uh, We have a great team. We've worked together as an executive team now for a number of years. Uh, We get on very well. We'll debate things, you know, we'll have good, lively debates, as you should have. But we're really ambitious. We were absolutely united in an absolute passion for growth. We had a great event in Chicago last year, which was our Capital Markets Day. And that was an opportunity for myself and Mark, who's finance director, Hugh, who runs Performance Nutrition, and Brian, who runs Glanby Nutritionals, and Jim, who runs Glanby Ireland, to speak to the ambition for Glanby. Um, And we do that as a team because it is a team piece. Because in any organisation, we're in 2017, 3.6 billion of revenue, 6,600 employees across 130 countries. There'll be things that are going great. 
there'll be things that are a little bit challenging. But when you have a team like that, that is absolutely focused on delivering an ambition, we have set out that by 2022, we want Glanbia to be a five billion organisation. We we have set out a growth trajectory of between five and 10 percent over those years to 2022. We didn't do that lightly as a team because we like to deliver on our commitments. Um, but we are very united in our passion and commitment to do that. So look out five years, is Glambia still an independent company? Because if you continue on that growth path, uh, surely somebody's going to come knocking on your door, looking to take you over. We're a public organisation, so we're very clear that we live in that world of public organisations. We have a very supportive largest shareholder. The co-op has 31.5% of Glanbia PLC. So in truth, the co-op will decide whether anything ultimately would ever happen with Glanbia PLC. It is the, the co-op itself now has two fantastic assets. It's the largest shareholder in Glanbia PLC. It's the majority shareholder in Glanbia Ireland. Um, we have a supportive shareholder base. Our job of work as a management team is to continue to grow, execute our strategy, deliver on our nutrition across that whole suite from primary dairy to ingredients, dairy and non-dairy, to the branded sports nutrition. And then, quite frankly, the stock market will do its own thing. Decide that, OK. Set Brexit aside for a minute. What's the biggest challenge facing the company? I think we're always watching the world of global trade. Uh, again, coming back to the point of our operations across 130 opera- uh, geographies, we're always watching things like relative currency. We're watching things like um, the discussions between the US and Europe, the discussions between the US and Mexico, the discussions between the US and China. A lot of our activity at this point in time from the PLC perspective is what we call dollar denominated. It's transacted in dollars. So that's something that we're Which, always... What percentage now? It would be over 80%. Not physically based in the US, but as I say, uh, dollar denominated. So we're that's a big piece for us. We're always watching that. Again, we will always be navigating it. We have great teams across a lot of different geographies. We're growing for our, our sports nutrition journey has been a fantastic one. Again, by way of example, when we bought Optimum Nutrition that I referenced in 2008, we were doing about $140 million of revenue, those brands at that point in time. Last year, and forgive me, well, I, I'll stay in dollars, we did probably in dollars uh, in 17 about $1.3 billion. So it's been a journey that has brought a great new talent in the organisation. We've had to learn new capabilities and part of learning those capabilities has been to able to cope with the things that might hit you from left field. Um, but as of now, as I say, it's watching things like the Brexit, like tariff-like relationships and how they will evolve. So you've spoken about the plan out to 2022. You've been with Glambia now, what, 27 years? Yes. You've been Group Managing Director, Head of the Business for the past six years. Um, you've had, a, obviously, a, a number of uh, senior roles along the way there. So are you going to be the woman in charge still in 2022 to actually put your stamp and say, we, we did it, we did it all? That'll be for the board to decide, but I hope so. Or, uh, well, have you another career plan? I mean, you're 54, uh, I think I'm right in That's saying. Right. What's, That's right. You know, what What does the future hold for Siobhan Talbot? My my future as of now is in Glanbia. <laughs> right, OK. Um, and tell us about the, the Irish Times Business Award. Yes. Don't want to sort of blow our own trumpet. Uh, well, why not? Why not? <laughs> um, you won the inaugural award. It was great. 
Uh, and it was a great night in the mansion house. I mean, did you get much feedback from it? I did. I did. I have to say, uh, again, thanks to all concerned, it, it was a huge honour. And in truth, I hadn't expected it because, as you rightly say, I was very honoured to get the inaugural one. And then, of course, life moves on and there's lots of exciting things happening across many different corporates in Ireland. Um, so to actually get the overall piece was a, was a massive honour. So, yes, um, as I often reference sometimes when my mum was totally thrilled um, which was fantastic but a a lot of feedback from folk which was really nice Um, great you know delighted to accept it on behalf of the team uh, and what we've done in Glanbia because it is very much a team effort but yeah it was was a huge honour Okay great so just finally um, look at this year obviously Brexit is a big unknown kind of a known unknown if you like Um, include Brexit but you you know how how do you think this year will shape up for Glanbia? We will come out and speak to that all in a lot more detail in February. But having set out our journey to 2022, we will be very, very uh, ambitious as a team to be on track for that journey through this year. And ultimately, uh, given the history that we have, given the agility we've shown in the face of all sorts of challenges, we are operating in a very good space from a consumer, from a market point of view, fundamentally being about nutrition, we are operating in a sector that is in growth globally. There are health active lifestyles is a $1 trillion market. 94% of Americans want to consume convenient food every day. Uh, And so that is a sweet spot for us. And I think that's probably at the very essence of why we felt we could be as ambitious as we have set out for 2022, because we are operating in a market that is fundamentally positive in terms of our capabilities. For us now, there will, of course, be things that will try and set us off track, but we've managed all of those historically and we have delivered a long number of years now of sustained growth and our ambitions ambitions will be to continue to do that and to nurture both those customer and consumer relationships that we have that span everything from the great brands we have here in Ireland to the brands that we deliver very much on a global stage. All right, Sean Talbot, we wish you continued success. Thank you for joining Inside Business. Thank you. Okay, that's it for this week from Inside Business. My thanks to Siobhan Talbot for joining us in studio. Declan Conlon produced the show, JJ Vernon as sound engineer. You can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our business today email at irishtimes.com. And remember that you can follow the Irish Times business feed on Twitter and Facebook each day. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.